Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's show, we'll talk baseball with Chip Frederick. So with that, let's get right into our interview with Chip. Chip Frederick joins me as we talk baseball on a Tuesday afternoon. Chip, really good series for the Commodores in Hawaii. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're well. We saw some interesting baseball over the weekend. Yeah, we did, Chris. It was a, it was a good weekend for Vanderbilt and a good week overall uh, with getting five wins in the week and a, a long trip out to Hawaii. Not sure what their travel plans are. I, I, I realize that um, – they are on spring break this week. I did find that out. So you just wonder if, if they're back yet. Do you know that? or or They were uh, supposed to come back Tuesday. Okay. All right. Well, uh, get a little uh, R&R out there. Good place to do it. But, yeah, baseball-wise and, and um, team-building-wise, uh, Tim Corbin's always done this, take the, the big trip and take everybody. And what a better place to be. Not a better place to be than Hawaii. The weather seemed great. And, um Team did some good things. Uh, the games really weren't competitive all that much, except the Sunday Sunday contest, the two one win, and I think that was probably good that they had that. Looking back on that, uh, and I was really impressed. And I'm not sure how much you watched of it or followed it, but you know Hawaii is uh, they're down. I, I don't know really how good they are. They're a scrappy team, and we talked about that last week. They run a lot. They bunt. They try to get on. They got some guys who are energetic, but. Just listening to the crowd and the atmosphere there, it's ripe for that program to be good. I mean, it has been good. It's been a, a quality program in the past, but it's been a while. But it's pretty much the, the, the Major League Baseball in Hawaii. That's what they get, and the college team there. And and it was a good atmosphere for the team to play in. I thought two, Sunday's game was competitive. It's good to have that uh, guys get on the on the mound when it mattered. And, and overall, just a good week. Five wins of... What are the, they've won now nine or ten in a row now since the Oklahoma State game. So uh, good things to talk about here on the podcast. Yeah, and I want to temper any thoughts by saying I just don't know how good Hawaii is. I thought they'd lose a game or two out there. Um, once you kind of saw that Friday night game, although it wasn't Hawaii's Friday starter, it looked like, well, maybe, maybe they've just got them overmatched. And I think the way that Saturday developed in game one when Vanderbilt jumped on Hawaii early – that started to kind of look like the case. But I just look at it, and I think you had to be pleased with all phases of the way they played. I mean, you did have a defensive breakdown that led to a run on Sunday night um, on a missed pickoff throw, but I just thought the bats were good. They got on base a ton. They hit for power. They ran the bases. Uh, The pitching was great. It was really hard to find a flaw in anything they did. Yeah, now you know, and I don't know if you're referencing that Helamanu, the the Sunday pitcher. Yeah, from what I was told, he had a blister issue. Um, yes, the reason was so you know he that guy could throw it. Now, I mean he he he's he wasn't your normal Sunday starter. I wasn't you know he walked four, struck out four, but and pitching five and a third. But I thought that kid's pretty talented. Um, and you know they had some guys they threw out there that had some talent and. Um, you know, uh, they had some energy about them and, and I was impressed in, in that part. Don't know how, you know, how this is going to help Vanderbilt RPI wise down the road, depending on how they're doing, uh, later on the season. But I agree with you. Um, 
it was uh, <clears throat> you know good for this team to 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 be out there together more than anything. I think you know this, this first road trips are always exciting. Uh, there are some teams that find themselves on the road or make a make strides uh, that they wouldn't do at home. You know, this team has been training since together the fall season. You, they come back after the Christmas break. You're still sort of dealing with COVID issues. And the first, you know, what, seven, eight games in a row are at home. And then you get to branch out and go to a place like Hawaii. And and, and that was, I think, uh, whether it's, you know, Hawaii and, you know, Oxford, Mississippi, or, or, you know, some of these towns, great towns. I love Oxford, but when you get to go that, it's a life-changing, a, a memorable place to be in the bond. And a lot of players break out of their shell when they get their first road trip and get away from home and, and get away from campus. And I think that's uh, – we saw an indication of, of that um, this past weekend. You know, again, I don't know what to make of of everything, but the, the bats look better. I mean, I don't think Hawaii's pitching staff was probably any worse than Army or some of the midweek games where they played where the, the bats just haven't hit. But they go out there and – Davis Diaz and, and Vaz and, and Keegan are just on base all the time. And Keegan is hitting for power. Vaz hits a grand slam. Jones got a home run. Colwick got a couple. Young got one or two. I mean, it just seemed like up and down the lineup, it was clicking one way or another almost everywhere. Yeah, and that's a powerful one-two punch when you get Bradfield and Diaz in those spots. And even though he's a rookie, I think Diaz – Seeing him in the two hole was uh, something that uh, I liked uh, that this staff did. I liked the fact that he was higher up in the lineup and he has responded and he doesn't look like he's ready to give up that spot anytime soon. I think he's pretty much anchored himself into that third base role and as he should with with the uh, the poise that he's played with and uh, you know he's he's just getting on base. When you got two guys like that who make a living on getting on base, however it is, walking, getting hit by pitches. Um, hit the ball the other way. I think that's a, a very potent one-two punch. And as as you saw, pretty much the entire weekend uh, for Vanderbilt, that's that's the way Corbin and crew went with it. That that one-two uh, with Bradfield and Diaz with each other. I, I thought some guys, of course, you know, Keegan had a weekend uh, that was uh, probably close to career best. If you take out Sunday's game, what was he nine for ten going into Sunday's game? Uh, for the weekend, uh, the, I know the Hawaii broadcasters were talking about that, and and um, so was Vanderbilt. So uh, cooled down a little bit on Sunday, but uh, he's pushed his average up to 415. Good to see him uh, sort of follow up from what he did in the Cape Cod this year when, in the in the league this summer when he had an outstanding summer at the plate and behind the dish, and um, saw a lot of growth that you know this weekend. So I think Vaz. Uh, was was impressive too. It's another guy gets on base a lot and and manning that left field position uh, and, and anchoring that down. So it's it's good to see these guys kind of break out. Um, you know, Bolger being behind the dish two of the four games was something that was interesting. We'll have to follow that. Um, Bolger had some good throws down a second, caught some runners stealing. Uh, you know, whether. They will continue to platoon, you know, Keegan and Bulger to alternate that on a three-game series as the SEC comes up soon. We've got, I know, one more weekend coming up, but that we'll watch that closely because it seems like to me um, the only position that is sort of in flux is a little bit first base and then catching. Whether you know you've got that triangle of DH, first base, catching that they might alternate those, you know, several guys in there, but. 
I don't know about you. I was I was impressed with Bulger um, uh, it, it, behind the dish and at the plate as well. Yeah, I want to save that for later because we've got a mailbag question about okay. it. Uh, and Oreo has a, a comment on it too. <laughs> but I think, look down the stat sheet. We, we all had Javier Vaz leading the team in slugging after three weeks, didn't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that's what everybody up and down have. And, and with 12 RBIs leading the team. So, uh, But he's an older guy. He's a Juco guy. Came in, uh, you know, had to bide his time a little bit in order to get in the lineup. And then when he did last year, he never came out and had crucial at-bats in Omaha. So uh, good to see him. But he's a vet. He's He's been around. He's you know, maybe not played a bunch of SEC games, but he's played, you know, in Juco. They can they can play numerous games more than they can in the NCAA division. They play in the fall. They play in the spring. So he's had the at-bats. And, and he's a guy that, um, you know, I got an asterisk by that, is is a, that older guy that you plug in and you play him and you you use that leadership and and uh, he's he's done well in that category you know both physically and and also the leadership uh, as far as in the dugout I'm sure so it seems like he's a enthusiastic guy gets people up a lot of a lot of energy but you know that triangle of Vaz uh, Vaz Bradfield Diaz are three guys who play with a lot of spunk they they um they uh are energetic and and you like to see that yeah his career has been a fascinating one because he wanted to go to vanderbilt out of out of high school and and couldn't and goes to lsu Eunice. i think his on base percentage is is well over 500 in his two years there and i think they expected him to come in right away and and really make a splash and then see him two falls ago and he really is kind of almost awkward at second and the bat isn't really playing up and he really gets buried on the bench and I don't remember if it was injuries or what it was I think that's what it was and and suddenly he's appearing in right field you know maybe the last series of the year and then I mean he had like 40 something at bats maybe the whole year maybe not even that many and most of them came in Omaha uh, and, and then he starts out like a house on fire this year really is interesting because you know really until June last year, he just wasn't even a factor. And I thought he's just going to be a guy that's, uh, that's lost in a footnote of history. And and now he is, he's, you know, probably been there, maybe their best hitter through through three weeks. Well, Tim Corbin teams in the past, they've, it seems like there's always a guy and you're going to have to help me with the memory bank, but there's been some guys who've come on, you know, Laniv took a huge role last year, just out of the blue. Uh, you have Vaz as well. You've had through years past some guys who have who have stepped up when they've just sat there and whittled their time on the bench, and then were able to come in and, and play huge roles even late in the season and even in Omaha. So uh, there's always seems like, and maybe that is with I'm just particular talking about uh, Vanderbilt teams coached by Tim Corbin, but and maybe that's the case if for those who follow other teams but it just seems like there's always one or two guys who unsung heroes who develop they're patient they keep working and then when they do get their chance it's it's almost impossible to get them out of the lineup yeah i think the biggest two that come to mind are Xander Wheel and Steven Scott yeah I, I, exactly that wheel definitely fit that category i mean you're talking about a guy who uh, out of Murfreesboro, who 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 wasn't, you know, just wasn't 
clicking and gets his turn. And when he did, he's cranking balls out of the park. And, and um, that's what you got to do. You have to seize your opportunity. That's what Laneve did last year when he had that, he went on that tear that late in the SEC season with some, with some injuries that happened and, and he was hard to get out of the lineup as well. So it happens in baseball and it, and it goes to show you that, you know, one injury down, how that can affect the lineup and the domino effect. And you've just got to continue to train and continue to do the little things and keep yourself motivated. So when you do get your chance, you, 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 uh, capitalize. Let's talk pitching. Maybe the biggest thing, well, the, the biggest thing obviously was Carter Holton's near no hitter. I mean, goodness gracious. I don't know what else you can say about that kid, but going six innings, three up, three down, and then it finally fell apart in the seventh. I think there was a four-pitch walk to start the inning and then maybe a single after that, and then a, I don't remember if it was a double or another single that scored a run, but that, that kid is just, I don't know, probably, probably the best arm on the staff right now. Well, he's steady. Uh, he throws strikes. He pitches the contact. He's he's just very mature. And I was listening to that game after watching it for quite a while and, and uh, following it and had to get in the car and listen to the radio broadcast. And, and, and I'm not saying for me to say the moment got too big for him. Uh, you know, when you're pitching, you know what's going on. You know, you've got a perfect game. You know, all those things that you hear, there's never anybody in the zone so much that uh, they don't know that they have a no hitter going, but I, I, I really don't think the moment was too big for him. I just think that, you know, he's went through the lineup three times, <clears throat> excuse me, went the lineup three times and Hawaii was definitely cognizant of the fact that he had a perfect game and they're taking pitches that maybe they would attack later in the, and earlier in the, in the count. Um, but I don't really think there's anything that phases this kid so far. Now we'll see when he goes to some of the cathedrals, um, the palaces and the SEC in in front of huge crowds four and five times maybe bigger than what he saw in Hawaii this weekend. But yeah, I mean, the, just the number of pitches he's throwing, he's very efficient. Nine strikeouts, one walk. Uh, it, it was just it was in, extremely impressive. When you look at the the week, the week sort of had a, and we knew this was going to happen against Central Arkansas. Brownie rolls out seven guys in nine innings and pretty much just split the game in, into two innings and one innings here and there. And then when you get to Hawaii, it was, you know, because of the scores were lopsided the first three games, you had a chance to throw some guys. Nobody threw twice. I thought was interesting. There was nobody out of the pen to kind of stretch some guys out. I'm not questioning that because when the games are that lopsided, you, you want to get some guys some action and, if, and I think they probably, if I'm not mistaken, traveled the full roster, not just a travel roster. So get some guys some opportunity to get on the bump that, that might not get a chance uh, later on. Um, you know, Holton's game, he throws a complete game. They let him stay out there, and that, that's always that. You know, at 90 pitches, it was probably because of the pitch count that he was able to do that rather than just putting someone else out there. Um, but nobody threw twice. Uh, we didn't see Berkwich which was pretty much the only surprise to me that you didn't see Berkwich get rolled out there for an inning or two. And he's pitched, you know, he's been counted on by Brownie and, and Tim Corbin uh, more. He pitched in Omaha. He pitched later in the year. And to see him, uh, you know, he pitched midweek uh, in, against Central Arkansas, but didn't need any action in a while. But um, pretty much an impressive outing 
there wasn't any question marks. Little seems to be um, still finding his way. They're letting him go one and two innings here and there and, and uh, just got a nibble there down in Hawaii, over in Hawaii. Um, but those are my takeaways. Um, you know, Anderson got another inning. It seems like he's a good guy who can be counted on to throw strikes. The the, the senior who, who played at Princeton last year, transfer from Montgomery Bell Academy. So, you know, I, I, I still think, um, as we're talking pitching, Chris, um, you know, not many people, and someone posed the question to me, you really don't see and you really you haven't seen in Tim's tenure with Maldonado, a guy who was a reliever and becomes a starter. They, someone asked me, name one pitcher who's done that, uh, and I don't know if you can, that has gone from a reliever to a starter. Um, going back in my memory, when I say reliever, I'm not talking about a, a, a spot middle inning guy. I'm talking about a closer to a starter. And um, I think they're still finding their way about that. Um, I know some people still are saying, does he have the overpowering stuff to go four and five innings rather than go perhaps two times on a weekend and have really good stuff because he has great movement on his ball? And I talked about that last year, so I don't want to be uh, – last week, excuse me, in the podcast, I don't want to be redundant. But uh, I think they're still trying to find that out with Maldonado. Uh, you know, look at his line, only one strikeout in four innings and some pretty hard-hit balls off of him. But he was able to escape and, and, and go, you know, unscathed uh, – with with one run but no earn so we'll have to watch that as we go on yeah i'm i'm trying to go back and look up stats the only guy that comes to mind well there's there's a couple it's although ones with a huge asterisk they were they made some noise about trying that with tyler brown in 2020 yeah that might be the one i'm trying to remember if he actually started a game i'm looking this up as we speak and I don't think of course he they only did. played 16 games. Browns, no, seven appearances, no starts that year. Um, now the, the guy that had pitched exclusively out of the pen and was kind of in that you know late inning high leverage thing, like the last you know he was the one that finished the 2019 title against Michigan in Omaha, and they brought Eater into the rotation. Remember right, they were Jake letting Eater. him pitch, and like it. Frankly, when you watched it, it didn't look great. Um, <laughs> But, you know, there's either like a, a last year in Miami system was just tearing it up until he got hurt as a starting pitcher. Like he he turned a corner there. But I can't think of anybody that they have is on that team or since Corbin's been here that's gone from being a closer one year to a starter the next. Yeah, and and that's probably the case. And I liked uh, for the pitching wise, I liked the four game series. Someone asked me why they did that. Well, I mean, it's just you don't you don't have any midweek games in Hawaii. No one's going to fly over for a single game. You're either going to play two, which is a rarity, and just due to the cost. So pretty much when you see Hawaii play, they host somebody. They're going to get their money's worth if you're flying over there and and spending the the funds that it costs to to go over travel uh, that many people. So, but I, I thought it was a good test uh, to get some guys out there. You know. In game three, for example, the, which was the you had Riley starting, give him an opportunity. He's been in that role in the past. Last year, he, he started some Sunday games, and so seeing how he could go, uh, you know, Hunter Owen, I know that he's been big on your board and, and have a weekend, have an appearance. I mean, six strikeouts, 
in three innings. That's impressive. Hunter Owen uh, continues to do the, the the things that I think will be counted on uh, as we go on as someone they count on big time for the staff. So uh, we forgot to highlight him, but he's he's tearing it up and having a great year, and I hope he continues. Well, Owen has pitched 10 innings, uh, struck out a lot more uh, than he's had innings. That's 18 to 10. And has not given up an extra base hit. And we've also very much neglected another guy that falls in that category. That's Chris McIlvain, who is tied for the SEC lead with 28 strikeouts. Again, no extra base hits allowed. Teams hitting 161 hasn't hit a batter. Has only walked five. 15 and two-thirds innings. All nine hits, of course, have been singles. Four runs, two earned. I mean, he struck out 13, and that's that's two starts in which he's just looked electric. Well, McIlvain's slider was uh, completely nasty on Friday. Uh, you know, nobody's going to hit that behind in the count, uh, that pitch, if he continues to throw it uh, the way he did. Uh, so, you know, it, it was um, – you know, it's great to see him uh, kind of just take that role like he has and and and, and hold on to it. I hope so. Um, but yeah, he, he you know, there's some there's some guys who just got a little taste of it this weekend here and there. Um, when you look at it, Schultz, you know, closing out. I thought that was um, you know good for him to get out there too. So there's a lot of names, and when you look at the stat sheet, uh, there are a lot of. Uh, I know there's some limited innings pitched, but there are a lot of zeros below ERA on the ERA column, and and your top four guys and Riley, McIlvain, Maldonado, and Holden, um, and then Futrell and Grayson Moore as it starts the zeros there. With uh, it's a pretty impressive stat sheet. Um, again, the competition will rise, the competition will get better, but um, you know, and 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 Maldonado and Riley's to me. Um, with Maldonado at 12 innings, Riley at 12 innings, it doesn't feel like their ERA um, should be as low as it is. Maldonado one 1.50, and Riley is a paltry .75. It's just uh, they've had some trouble getting there, and they've had some they've they've had some great defense behind them. But um, it, it I don't know if it does to you. It doesn't feel like they've been pitching with that type of ERA, but. Uh, I think everybody's just trying to feel their way here and how they're going to slot these guys with when it comes down to it, who your weekend guys are, who your midweek guy, who's your midweek guy going to be uh, like they've had in years past where they pencil in a guy and he racks up 9, 10, 11 wins before you turn around. It's May and the guy's undefeated. That's just sort of the way the recipe that they've done because they've had some success, a lot of success midweek. So uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah, that's a good segue to the mailbag. I'm, I'm ready for that if you are. I've got radio in probably 15 minutes. So, All right, let's do um, it. Yeah, let's see. Mailbag sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Door King asks, after a few series, what do you think our pitching staff will look like? We start league play in terms of starters, relievers, and closers. Well, I think McIlvain, you know, he's earned that stay at that spot Friday night uh, with his performance. He's solid. I think he's a guy that you want there. Um, I, I think that, you know, obviously with the success that they've had on in game two, it speaks for itself. I mean, you know, Carter Holton is going to hold on to that. Um, whether it's the two slot or the three slot, I think he's earned that. Uh, the three spot really is where you've got a mixture of, to me, Futrell, 
Maldonado Riley. And if you go with, if you go with Riley, uh, or Futrell, there's positives and negatives about that. You're going to have two rookies in, in the rotation, um, for SEC play. If they earn it, that's fine. I don't care if they're a freshman or senior. Um, you know, it's just going to have to be decided if, if you're going to go with the stay with Maldonado. So I think it's, I think the first two are pretty much set. Um, the game three, I think it's a mixture of three guys and whoever's left. I don't, I don't see Futrell being in that closer role. Um, he, he's more of a, if he's not going to be the starter on Sunday, eventually he's just going to stick with that midweek role. But I think it was good to give him a taste out there how he does, does on Sunday. So I think, you know, out of the pen, I mean, Hunter Owens earned that spot, uh, as far as where he's coming from throwing strikes the mystery there for everybody, and I guess the frustrating thing is the Christian Little situation. I mean, here's a guy that two months ago you people were saying would be a, a game one or two starter, and he's just not there yet. Now, whether he can get there, that just is all the better. Um, I think he's still finding his way. Uh, he had some balls hit hard off of him on, on Sunday, but he was able to pitch out of a big jam, and, and um, you know they got him out there in the midweek game against Central Arkansas, and I think he had some nasty stuff. I mean, he was hitting 93, 93, 94, 95 several times on the gun uh, in that situation with three strikeouts in an inning, struck that side in the inning he pitched. So um, that's my prediction um, with the caveat that Christian, Christian Little is the wild card if he can – and, and, and find himself and find a way to uh, find the Christian Little of where he was a year ago in May, uh, he could also emerge in that Sunday spot as well. Okay, this next question leads us to somewhere I wanted to go. VU65 says, I'm concerned with the pitching of Maldonado. With seven strikeouts and 12 innings and 12 hits, the other key starters have had much better stats. What do you think is the problem? This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. The question becomes, is his stuff good enough? Is his stuff one two three innings type of stuff um six outs type of stuff or is it a is it a, does he have the repertoire on his pitches to go through the order three times and that's what i think they're trying to find out i think his he's got great movement on on his pitches uh and and last year he proved that and it's just very difficult it's very unusual to see a guy go from that role it was we mentioned a few minutes ago 
to where he's going to be a starter. Not that he can't do it and doesn't have the tools to do it, but what's best for this team and, and the future as they stack up. Personally, I'd rather have him available twice in a weekend on a Friday and Sunday, as we talked about, or Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back, depending on their pitches. I just think his stuff resonates to that uh, rather than what's going on now. Now, those guys, that's what they do for a living, and they get paid a lot of money, and they've won national titles, so I'm going to leave it up to them. That's just the observing me from my spot of watching it. Um, I think he has, as I said, I'm not discounting his ability or, or his – or what he presents to his team as a leader on the pitching staff. It's just where do you pencil him in, uh, as, as they've done with guys the last couple of years, uh, to uh, best support this pitching staff and get victories. Did you make anything of Riley pitching third and Maldonado fourth over the weekend? No, I, I didn't. You know, you got to remember the 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 – Game three, well, game three was a nine-inning two. I get, yep. I, I kept thinking that it was two sevens, and I had to erase that from my mind. Usually they do. If they do doubleheaders in past, they've done two sevens if they're going to do that. Uh, no, I didn't think really anything of it. I think it, it could have been um, – I, I didn't. Did you? Did you read into anything? I don't know. I mean, my gut feeling all along is that Riley's the better fit as the starter. I, I just think Maldonado was such – he was just nails out of the bullpen last year. And I know that Schultz had a good outing this weekend, but I'm still not sure I trust him as a closer. Maldonado's got a put-away pitch with that slider when it's working. Look, they they see it. They know things we don't know. They use this as trial, you know, hit and miss time of the season, and it works out way more often than not. So I'm not trying to be critical of the staff, but – just intuitively, I, I still feel like Maldonado's a better fit on the back end, and, and Riley has been pretty electric. The, the command has, you know, the control has failed him at times. But, man, they got, they got 12 guys who've thrown multiple outings, and all of them have thrown pretty well. T- to me, it's just a thing, and we've talked about this before, I just think the, the pieces, to me, seem to fit better with Riley in the rotation and Maldonado in the pen, but I could be proven wrong. Yeah, and they're going to be a, a little interesting week this week with no games midweek. So they're able to reset everybody. So I think this weekend uh, will will be a, t- a telling sign with Wagner coming in uh, to see how they're going to set the rotation. Because you got to remember with Missouri coming in on the 18th, 19th, and 20th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the first series, you kind of want to – have that thing set um, as far as how you're going to roll. Now you got Michigan on the, on Tuesday, which is going to be a, a, a neat game. Although a lot of people are going to be out of town spring break. I'm, I'm, I hope the crowd's still going to be good, um, but that's going to be a, a, a great atmosphere. I'm sure. I hope a lot of people come out for that, um, that four thirty game on, on the 15th, but you would like to think that if they get it set and you, you'll see if, this weekend, if they go, Whatever they go one, two, and three, it's going to be a there's a formidable formidable arm on the mound against Michigan on that Tuesday, and then they'll have the rotation set for the next weekend. So, I think this weekend it's something to watch and see how they roll out pitchers against Wagner. Okay, baseball bros said, well, let me do this one first because I think this might lead into the second. Bex four vu says, please talk about the catcher's performance so far. Where does each excel in the areas that need improvement? 
or and what are the areas that need improvement? Do you think who do you think will be the primary catcher by April? No, man, that's tough. Uh, um, I knew that question was probably coming. Um, Bulger, uh, Bulger looked good back there this weekend. I think he was formidable. Uh, Keegan uh, has not been there, to, you know, during his tenure here until now. Um, you know, I'm going to say that Bulger passes the eye test. He looks like a catcher. I'm not saying Keegan doesn't. Uh, but Bulger's got that body, and he, you know, that, that looks like a guy behind the dish. Um, but I was impressed with the way he handled pitches back there, and 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 threw runners out. So I, I think it's a good problem to have, uh, as we talked about. I, I think they miss. Um, boy, there's a big hole back there from what what we had last year, as far as just the way he threw and and um, and and came around at the plate uh, with Rodriguez. So. Um, I think it's going to be starting off. You might see a platoon um, with you know one of the two taking two to the first two or games one and three, and then split the second game with the other catcher. Um, but I think it's just too early to tell. And I think it's also whoever's not in that position could be in that DH role. So I don't think you're taking the bat you know the bat out of their hands. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's all going to come down to that first base catcher. DH uh, situation between the three, and I think you'll see a lot of interchanging between the three. Okay, Baseball Bros said, come SEC play, what do you think the everyday starting lineup will look like? Um, I thought it was interesting to see Gavin Cassis get a couple of starts at first, among other things. Yeah, I I thought it was too. Uh, I think Parker Nolan... um, they're still throwing him out there, though he's batting, you know, 194. Um, and, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, you, if you're for Parker Nolan, I think that, you know, nobody's more disappointed than that, uh, than him. Um, they, you know, it looks like Colwick is, you know, he's gotten some play over there, although he's been at second most of the time and, and handled that well. It seems like the more that you try to, not Vanderbilt does, but teams, when you try to experiment and you, you know, it's where it's a comfort level where guys like to be. Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see him get get a shot there, and that was good good to do so. Um, you know, you would like to think, uh, you know, Colwick at two sixty seven. I'd like to see him more at three hundred. I'd be at the comfort level with him, the three hundred level. I think he can. He had some good contact this weekend. Uh, but that that spot to me to answer the question, I think all the spots are pretty much are sliding into place except that first base spot and i think they're still working on that uh so um and as i mentioned in the last question i think they can plug and play some guys and and it, it'll be pretty seamless you know it's just kind of disappeared as troy Laneve. yeah i know uh, I, I, I'm, I'm as well as he played last year towards the end there he's just not getting the at bat so i'm um, not sure what it is I'm not sure if he's a nagging injury or just uh, guys are just performing better than him or you know um, when he's getting his ch- chances, but um, that is someone, yeah, if, if looking up and down this roster and stat sheet, uh, Laniv has gotten, he's played in two games, he's played in four games, and he started f- four, excuse me, he's played in four, started two, and um, batting a buck 25, so I know that's something that um, will be interesting to follow, because he was a guy that has um, was really came on last year. All right, quick closing thoughts, and then let us know about your real estate business. Well, I just think uh, this is a time of year uh, we're seeing uh, a lot of teams as you look around the country in the conference. 
you're seeing some teams that are losing some games you wouldn't think. A Mississippi State goes on the road and 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 loses a series to Tulane, and boy, they had some bad news. And what is the situation? Have, what they heard about is as of about two hours ago, they still have not given any word okay. on Landon Sims, but it didn't look good from what I watched. No, no, and that's you know, and you, you so you're seeing. Uh, I think the balance of of college baseball. You've seen a lot of transfers that have come in due to the transfer portal. That guys have have moved around, and and the balance of power is still the top six of the twelve in the SEC, or uh, six of the twelve in the country. The top six or six teams, excuse me, of the top twelve are SEC schools. So, uh, and you're seeing Georgia kind of uh, going there. What are they now? Twentieth. Something Georgia. like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so the main thing I'm taking away from what I'm seeing is the balance is still getting. There's still a greater balance in college baseball. The SEC is still strong, but uh, this team is plugging along and doing. Uh, after the Oklahoma State setback, I think it was a good weekend overall for them. I think they've got um, an opportunity with some days off here to get their legs back, their sea legs back amongst them and, and take on Wagner. And then, you know, looking, and I think you said this in a podcast, Chris, and I'll close with this, you know, um, the first weekend with, with Mizzou is, you know, rating wise, I mean, Vanderbilt will be favored in every game. They should be predicted to sweep that series. And then, you know, the fun part starts when you've got back to back in Columbia and, and Tennessee. So, there's uh, not many holes in the schedule once this thing gets going. I look for this weekend to be a, a weekend where they get the rotation set, they get some guys some more reps, they get the pen some more work, and they solidify that weekend rotation, whatever it's going to be. I think it's go- this will be the sign this weekend against Wagner of how they're going to go against Mizzou, and we'll just have to wait and see. If they announce it, so be it. If not, uh, who they roll out there for this weekend series. Hey, Chip, I'm literally on hold for radio, so I got to run, but thanks for joining us today. All right, Chris, take care. We'll see you next week. All right. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.